This is the I Went Down to the River podcast. I'm Dan Walton, and I will sit down with fellow alums and talk about what it meant to be a part of the Hawken football program and wear the wings. We share stories of friendship, memorable games, funny moments, and how football made us who we are. You don't need to be on a bus for these tangs. Now let's go down to the river. I am pleased to be joined today by two-time captain, a cerebral safety who was a coach on the field for us, a slot back, and an automatic, no worries punt returner who consistently made the right decisions. He's number five on the roster, class of 2009, 2010 academically. Please welcome to the show, Greg Passiatis. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's an honor to be part of this and be part of the tradition. I love it. So what I want to start off with first, Greg, is I want to ask you, what is your earliest memory pertaining to Hawken football? Earliest memory for Hawken football. So I'm a younger brother and my older brother, George, he, he did not play in high school, but he did play in middle school. And I was that couple year younger brother that I always wanted to be part of the older brother group. And I remember being on the sidelines and being in the chains with, with the team on the middle school games and watching them go play. And uh, my brother and I, we, we didn't grow up in a historically or rich football family. Uh, our dad wasn't a big football guy, to be honest. And uh, that was my first actual taste of, of football outside of NFL Blitz. And that's my very first memory is that group and being on the chains and following Coach Brand a little bit, understanding how the game of football works. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love hearing these stories about the people that were around the program prior to playing. Great, great stories yes. for the players that have decided to play as seventh graders or whatever year they entered the program, right. but the ones that were around it for, uh, for the majority of their youth. So I would ask you then, what did it ultimately mean to wear the wings? to have those wings on the helmet for you? It was a sense of pride, but it was also a feeling of earning and making it through a, a preseason. It was making it through so much work, which is one of the, one of the best qualities of the game of football of how many weeks of preparation before you even play a game, before you even scrimmage, and being able to put on those wings or showing up to your locker and seeing those wings on was, it was an achievement. It wasn't just given to you. You had to, you had to get there. And uh, it was, uh, you, you knew you got through a lot of effort and uh, hard, hard, hard times. Cause you're working a lot of hard work. Is it possible to know how much goes into it, whether it's, the individual practice, the individual week, or a full season, if you have not gone through it? No. No, it's not possible. I think, I don't think that's only unique to football. I think every sport has its own version of that. Um, but, but the, the football version is, is strong. Uh, but you have, you have no idea. Yeah. I love that uniqueness of it. Um, I've coached other sports word on the street is I coach middle school baseball for a little bit, um, just, just a little a bit. Little. Um, but <laughs> what I absolutely love and crave about football 
from the coaching standpoint is it's about that one opportunity each week. So everything is just multiplied and escalated and your preparation for it is only about that one. It's not baseball, basketball, lacrosse, where you might have two, Mm -hmm. three, four opportunities in a week so that everything just rests on that one weekend game. Exactly. It's not a game of averages. It's, it's this game this week. Uh, my, my teammates still joke about my announcements in high school. Uh, I would go up and as a captain, I would say every single week, this is the biggest game of the season every single week. And it turned into a, a chuckle across the crowd because, uh, you know, we'll probably get into it later, but we'd be university school the very first week of our senior year. And we went into the next week, which wasn't as difficult as an opponent. And what did I go up there? I said right away, this is the biggest game of the season, even though we just came off of our biggest win in a long time. So So those announcements in school meeting turn into a little bit of a joke. But if you sort of step back, it really is. Um, and unique to that also is the fact that high school football, you have to earn your way into the playoffs. The postseason is not a given. It is not like every sport where for lack of talent or for, you know, misfortune or injury, you know, you just, your record doesn't look great, but you still qualify for a postseason football. You have to earn it. We'll look at, uh, our senior year. Uh, an incredible team of Kirtland just missed the playoffs and we played them week four and we, we could have, we could have lost that game if it wasn't for a late, late game touchdown. And we would have been in their shoes. We would have, it would have been just the flip. It would have been the opposite. And, and to your point, it, it could have come down to a play. It could have gotten come down to a, a, just one week completely switch that whole season and playoff run. Which brings value to every experience in that season, positive yes. and negative. It just the value in each of those moments. Yes. So my understanding is that uh, 18, is that what the senior class was? We 18, one of the biggest that we've probably had in program history. Um, and let's uh, let's take a moment and talk about the relationships involved in that senior class of 18? I'd say very strong. Uh, you know, 18 is a lot. So since 2010, 11 years ago, probably impossible to keep up with that many people so consistently, but it's a good group in a good chunk that we either have a group chat or a text thread that goes or an email thread that goes uh, I have moved back to Cleveland since I was in Texas for college, and I'm blessed that there is a good chunk actually that did the same thing and isn't back in Cleveland um, that are my best friends to today. Uh, they'll be at the altar when I get married, and you know they they're the they're the guys I'm watching the Browns game with, and we're chatting, and and we we find ourselves talking about football and her high school experiences, whether it was laughter or hardships. And it's a bond, I think, unlike any other. And it is definitely a brotherhood. I, I had a fraternity experience in my college days. And 
some of those guys are my best friends today, but there's definitely something to be said about the Hawken football family that I don't think it's, you can compare it to. And so I think it's no, uh, it's no surprise that when a group becomes as close as yours was, that success will tend to follow. And your group was so special because you guys competed so hard in everything you did. And you guys were super close. But one of the things that I was really impressed with is you could get after it so badly in practice that you guys actually would get under each other's skin and upset each other. And so so competitive. And every rep meant something. It wasn't just, I'm going to let this guy win the rep because it's his segment of practice. It's, I want to get better. And if I'm going to get better, that person I'm going against is going to get better. And it's that competition that once practice ended, we were back to cool and we were okay. But, but during practice, Hey, let's go. Let's go. It, we were, that's so well put. And it, it was all of us. It was, and I think it was a contagious feeling too. I think some of our leaders, some of the, some of the chirpy ones were, of course, like, like John Wilson, uh, myself, we, we, we tried, we tried to push that through everyone else to get and What it did was it got certain individuals that you didn't think they had that bone in their body. And then all of a sudden you're seeing it come out of them in between the, the lines, you know, you think of some of the nicest people you'll ever meet like a Miles Simmons <laughs> that he stepped on the football field and all of a sudden he was, he was out there competing and competing with his heart. And it was cool to see, and but that's, you have to do that when you're playing football and it's kind of the fun of it. You're just all of a sudden exiting your personal world, you're exiting life and you're just playing a game. And when you're competing like that, it's, it's so much fun. I think the fact that your grade had so many members that totally bought in with that idea that we were all going to compete shows how special it was. Because if you have anyone in that class that decides, man, what what's up with him, man? Why is he going so hard every rep? It's Tuesday. We don't play till Friday, you know? then you have this sort of fracturing of how hard we're going in practice. But with your group, that was uh that's a lasting and that's, that's a lasting in. impression of you guys for sure. We're all in and I'll, I'll remember our last game, our junior year, we all were in the huddle and, and I remember every year leading up to that, the last game was kind of like a, an emotional game. Um, emotional huddle, but that year it really wasn't. It was kind of just a turn the page. We knew that we had this big class rising to become seniors and we were just, we were ready for the next one. And we all knew what the next one was. And it was every single day between that game and the next one was dedicated to literally that shirt. And we all wanted that shirt to the point where we all ruined our senior pictures for our parents because we didn't get that shirt on time. And we wanted that shirt for our senior pictures. <laughs> and so we got white undershirts and drew the shirt ourselves. And it looked absolutely horrendous. But 
it's a story that still wanted that shirt. We wanted the shirt. So that'll lead into our next, uh, our next segment here. We're going to go word association. Um, University school. Rival. Rival. Let's, let's talk about the buildup to that August 28th day. What was it about that game? And when was it that as a senior class, you guys decided the streak of losing to university school is going to end? We've been close as juniors. We were winning 7 0 at halftime yep. and then unraveled in the second half. But at what point did you guys come together? Was there a moment? Was it just one of those things that sort of came to over time? But what was it where you're like, this is going to be the year that we win? I don't think there was a specific moment. Um, But I do think our junior year game had a lot to do with it. Our junior year game, that first half was successful it did show some spirit it did show some some you know ability to play with those guys and they had a pretty sweet line um that year led by ryan schreiber and they were tough and we figured all right if we really put in some time in the weight room if we really really bought into the system we got 18 seniors. We got the numbers with all that excuse of cramping on the fields and not being, you know, not being ready enough is out the door. We didn't care how many quarterbacks they had going to Yale and Princeton and Harvard. We had the closest group. I mean, we had such a good group and we just kind of wanted it. And we didn't, we didn't really care at the end of the day, like who we were going against. And that's kind of how we played. If you watch the tape, we kind of just played like we didn't like think it mattered who we're going against. I don't think coach called more than like three different types of plays. (laughs) We were in like the same power, power counter, and it just came to a strength game and we dominated. Uh, It was definitely a special night. That is uh, that is for sure. Is there anything from that week leading up to it as far as practice or preparation or even pregame that, uh, sticks out in your mind? Uh, I'll always remember, um, you know, every class has their, their funny kid that you don't know if he's fully buying in because he's just the funny one. But I always remember the serious look on Kent Green's face. And he looked at me, he goes, we're going to, we're going to beat these guys. And um, we just, we just expected to win which is what was ingrained in our minds. And we had a lot of work in the weight room, a lot of work in the, on the field all summer long. And we just knew we were going to win. I, uh, it, it means something personal to me. I'm a Shaker Heights born and raised kid. And my parents sent me to university school day camps growing up. And I actually have some good contacts and some good friends at the U.S. Uh, school that I played sports with growing up whether it was the Shaker baseball leagues, middle school games. And I knew a lot of those guys. Um, 
I was, I was cordial with a lot of those guys. And I think that's what made the rivalry to me even more special is because I knew some of them. I knew them pretty close and my whole life, I wanted that moment. And at the USD camp leading into that game, I was telling them the whole time, we're going to win this game. We got this. And it was the buildup of the momentum. And yeah, what is it? Two or three plays. We just ran it down their throats. I love that story that you told about Kent Green, too, because I actually I did not hear that until probably like a year and a half ago. I think it was you told me I had never heard that story before. Oh, yeah. And I love Kent Green and I love that story. And it just totally it's awesome. And it's those types of stories that I hope come out from these visits on this podcast that people that were close to the event or to the season or whatever don't know because that story maybe has not been shared out to everyone, but just some. So I think, I mean, Hey, Ken, Ken bought in all, he always bought in, but did he have that optic of buying in? Maybe not. That's who he was. That's who he is. And that's what we love about Ken. But we had a, what an hour rain delay with a thunderstorm that went through before that game. And so we had the jitters times a hundred because we were waiting around in the gym for kickoff. And that was that moment, you know, people were pacing, people were thinking what's, you know, thinking plays, getting ready. And Ken's just looking at me, we're going to win this game. Outside of maybe your first time on the varsity field, would that be some of the uh, most jitters that you've had maybe leading up to kickoff? Without a doubt. Because of the expectation that you and all your classmates are putting on each other as well, probably. Right. It was the being anxious, just ready to roll, take care of business. I always, I always say to my athletes, nervous, excited is okay. Nervous, nervous, scared is not because that tells you and everyone around you that your preparation wasn't right. Yes. I like that a lot. Um, What would you say would be one of the hardest things for you mentally, physically playing that senior year? Hardest thing is mentally, physically playing senior yeah. year. Specific to senior year. Specific to senior year. Um, most of us, knowing we're not playing again, we're not playing again. We're not. I personally would had was not at the next level, but I, I left it all on the field, and I wanted to leave it without any regrets. Um, you know, senior year is an important year for any individual, any, any student to, to figure out the college situation, to enjoy their last year of high school. Um, and I think our hardest part was making sure we, 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 you know, we all loved that game of football and we wanted to make sure we, we left the tradition in a better place than we, we got there and a, a contagious impact was what we wanted um so we wanted to make sure that we went on on the right note i like that that's nice um if you could go back and if you could try to do something differently and have a second attempt is there anything that you would do differently in your approach to football for my senior year or in general either way
we we had a good run. It's hard to think of something differently. Um, there's always there's oh even with a group of eighteen, there's always you wish you had a few more people that played and that played every single year and that had that bond and friendship with us. Such a great experience. You want as many people to be a part of it, to be able yes. to experience and witness that for sure. Uh, what would you consider your greatest or most memorable achievement on the field? Not a game, but a specific uh, play, offense, defense, special teams. Um, and if you choose not to answer it for yourself, greatest uh, memory that you saw a teammate be a part of. So the greatest teammate memory we had, I mean, it was, it was no doubt stopping Danny freight. It was a third down and Teddy hook took him out and it was the shivers moment. Um, he took him out as and tackled him. And actually it was his last play of the game. And you don't want to see a, any opponent go out, but we had the clock getting to the end. And um, it was kind of that moment where we realized we, we did it. We didn't want to count our chickens too early, but we did it. And uh, I remember Teddy getting up and he, even Teddy had that like, look like Holy smokes. <laughs> um, that was the moment. And then, uh, you know, Brian Vogt had a huge interception on the goal line that game too, as they were marching down. Uh, did you ask about a play I did? As yeah, well? I was just giving you the out in, in case you didn't want to answer for yourself, because I know you're not probably keen <laughs> on going there first. So I gave you the chance to go to a teammate first. I have to say, I my senior year, and I'll, I'll always remember you, coach, with this was we used to get after the ball all the time because you'd say, we'll do some push-ups." <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to remember I think that I had a pretty good amount of strip <laughs> fumbles that, that year. Um, my junior year, I had some, a lot of fun on defense. I had about six or seven interceptions. At yeah. Six and two of them against us. Uh, and then a spread out across the year. I had one, I do have a very fond memory of my first interception. Um, against Berkshire sophomore year and it was an overtime to seal the game and Mike Hook just tackling me at the end of it with coach Christie jumping on the pile um, in the rain in overtime uh, early in the year so still kind of early varsity shivers and it was the first game I started returning punts um, I remember going back there with Ogay and him and I were returning punts that year. Uh, it was that game, I think, that you guys had some faith in me to go work with Ogay uh, and return punts. And I, I, I have to say, I, I was never the fastest and I was never the biggest returner. I dropped a couple, but I never turned the ball over at punt return. I'll tell my friends that to this day because they still shiver when they think of me catching punts, but I never turned the ball over. It takes a different type of dude to be able to return punts. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you've got to understand that you very well might have half a dozen guys running full speed at you and your full attention needs to be on that ball coming down. Mind you, 
from a high school punter. So you have no idea where that thing's going. You might have to be running lateral to get to it. I think it's the hardest position in sports. Returning you might constantly. have something there. I mean, if the pros drop it as much as they do, you know it's Yeah, harder. you might have something there. Hey, I wanted to go back to uh, your recollection of the emphasis that was put on for the secondary that season to separate receiver and running back from the ball. And I remember going into that season and I wanted to make sure coach McGregor and I wanted to make sure that we were getting our hands on that ball. And if it was already in their possession, we were going to rip it out and get loose on it. And if it was in the air, we were going to get hands on it. And so we made that, I made that decision that we were going to turn basically loose balls or turnovers into push-ups. I did quite a few push-ups, which was probably, which was okay. That was good. I needed it, but that was, uh, that was definitely a fun little uh, competition between position coach and players. And you guys had about, what was it? Five, I think five senior defensive backs alone. So we had, yeah, we had a very veteran group back there. And uh, that just, I think it added to just the tenacious mentality that we had back there. There's a strong group. I think best DB fumble caused fumble of the year was curling game. Zach Lawrence putting his helmet on Anthony Rotosa, big tight end who went and played, I think at Akron. And he put his hat right on the ball and it popped out like an egg. And I'll always remember that. We went after the ball because you guys trained us to in practice. Yes, we did. Uh, Thanks for bringing that Kirtland game up because in a season of a lot of great memories and a lot of big moments, um, if it weren't for the university game, then Kirtland probably would be your answer for a lot of these questions. Um, Big game, big moments, big plays. Uh, What are your initial uh, thoughts when you think about that game? Initial thoughts as a, defensive player defensive captain was that was not our best defensive showing and it's a game that comes up all the time and I always do remember that it was a hard film session as a defensive player because that's what we focused on the whole time now luckily we had an incredible offense and John Wilson played out of his mind he even drove the bus home I believe because he did everything that game according to the news herald um but it was a, a game where the defense, I'm not going to say had our tails between our legs, but we definitely weren't the stars. But that's why football is incredible because it is a three-way sport with, you know, special teams, uh, offense and defense. And, uh, of course, what stands out in that game is the kickoff return at the end. Uh, John running through all the way to the end zone. And um, like I said earlier, that that kind of gets us, to the playoffs because if that goes the other way, Kirtland's in the playoffs and they might have a state championship. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that uh my memory of that finish to the game is um John fielding that ball and just the immense talent weaving his way down the field and oh, yeah the 10 other teammates picking up blocks on the way and him taking it all the way Mm -hmm. to the end zone with about two minutes or just under two minutes left. Um, Just the, 
improbable sort of ending. Jeremy Simmons sack. Oh my goodness, that's right. Totally forgot about that. New bones. Yeah. So, but then the magnitude of that game, you talk about John Wilson doing everything and he might have even, uh, as the as the newspaper writer said, you know, he might have driven the bus home. Just, just <laughs> overcome with emotion af- after that yes. game and him essentially weeping in the end zone and just, I think his body just totally lost control of that moment because it was so amazing that it just totally took over him. And that was the, what a great place. And to that play was the too. only release left was, was to let it right. out that way. It was a huge release. So, that was game. amazing. Uh, so a very interesting season that we have two losses in the regular season to two very, very good teams in independence and Cuyahoga Heights. But the weird part about coming back into the postseason and actually getting to play them both in rematch games. Very not, weird. Not, um, not one that you would expect or plan for. But uh, talk about that return trip out to independence in week one of the postseason and how that was. I think it was a different type of anxiousness going into our first playoff game versus like the U.S. game, for example, because we'd had we had played U.S. Um, having said that, we had beaten Independence in our in our high school career, so we kind of knew them a little bit through just playing other sports, and they they had a strong team too. Uh, the, the jitters of the playoff game though, I, I don't know, I'm not going to speak on behalf of everyone, but it came down a tad cause we, we had beaten them the, you know, in years before. So, uh, it was interesting to say the least, but once we got on the field and I don't think I've ever seen a crowd like that at, at, when I was playing football, like you realize, okay, we're in the big game. But we had we had fun that game. Talk about the DB showing up. I mean, we had a few picks. We had some huge PBUs. Um, I think Matt Miller had like a sweet tackle in the backfield, if I can remember. We had fun that game. We we played well. We played, I think, very prepared, especially on defense. We we showed up really strong that year uh, with that that game, and, it, and I think it was. Uh, it, the revenge part of it made it fun. If you actually, I thought of that game big time when Ohio State played uh, Clemson this year, um, having come off of a tough Clemson loss last year, and you could tell that they had that that excitement and extra motivation that you know didn't. It was a good it didn't just show up that week, but it has been motivating you throughout the season. Yes, just sort of under the the waterline, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> how, how about that field over at Independence that night? oh the field it was disgusting it was a pig pen it was really rough yeah yeah it was horrible so we go there during the middle of the regular season we lose 14 to 7 and then we come back in week 11 first week of the playoffs and we actually flip the score and win 14 to 7 
So yeah, how about that is right. And so then we go to move on to the second round of the playoffs and we have a rematch again now of another conference opponent in Cuyahoga Heights. Um, We don't have to get into it too much, but what I did want to definitely um, talk to you about was that's ultimately the ending of your high school career that you knew you right. knew had an ending. You were not going to be going on to play in college. Um, so this experience was kind of coming to a head. Um, comments on that? Sort of how you were thinking in the moment? It was – the Tiger Heights game was tough because they were, they were, they were physical. I mean, when we would walk away from the Cuyahoga Heights games – even back to what I remember in middle school, it was always like a physically exhausting game. Um, we played a good second half. And of course it wasn't enough to come back from the hole we dug in the first half. But at least what I will remember is in the playoffs in Solon, our last second half was kind of on a upward trend. And we had, we did have some fun together. We're out there. We're making tackles. Um, we we kind of knew that we got to a point where we weren't going to overcome it, but we were out there playing well and having fun and just trying to be there in the huddle together as brothers for one last time. And um, now that was an emotional huddle when we ended that one. It was a very emotional huddle. Um, we we were flying so high together and. Uh, it was, it was a good run. I mean, we ended nine and three, if, if I did the math correctly. Uh, and I think you've pointed it out. Uh, Coach Brandt remembers when we were in eighth grade, we had a run as a group, as a class, and we only lost to Independence in Cuyahoga Heights. And it ended up being how it went our senior year. And that was just interesting to see that transform over the years. Um, and we'll always have that, I guess, that memory. Yeah, hey, um, credit to Cowga Heights, too. That is that that oh, is a sure. supremely talented team, uh, a very successful program. Um, like you said, we came out in the second half, and I think we outscored them 21 to 7, but um, mm-hmm. just quarterback, fullback, offense and defensive lines. I mean, a lot of special players over there playing for Cowga Heights. They were great. Let's take a pause for this week's Ask Coach segment. If you'd like to be a part of the Ask Coach segment, visit the I Went Down to the River Instagram account, and there you can submit your questions. This week's question is submitted by Greg Pasiatis. Greg wants to know, what coach inspired you from an X's and O's standpoint? And also, who inspires you by the way that they carry themselves or carry their football program? Well, it's a, it's, it's a great question. And I think we are, uh, as we go through life, we are in the process of developing by all the experiences that we have along the way. And uh, I would certainly uh, in, include my dad from an early standpoint on uh, because uh, my dad inspired me just by the way that he handled himself, the way he approached everything. Uh, he was in the highest integrity, and he always said, if something's worth doing, 
it's worth doing right the first time. And uh, certainly that was a big part of uh, the character that, uh, that we would try to develop in terms of football players. So my dad inspired me that way. From a, from a football standpoint, um, I think that uh, X's and O's and all that, uh, probably my college experience, Coach Allman up at Concordia Teachers College where I went in Chicago to play, um, he ran the run-and-shoot offense, and I was actually a, a right slot back in the run-and-shoot offense, if everybody's familiar with that. That was historically a, a spread offense before before today's era where everything is all spread out. Uh, everything was a lot more tighter back in the day, and teams would just dive and power and toss sweep and just, just pound away at you and stuff like that, whereas we in college had – I spread out, and we did a lot of passing and spread the field, did some motion almost every single play, and uh, that was probably the uh, the, the big uh, input for me because uh, as I went through my career, it was that aspect of spreading it out and making motion to make teams adjust. That was always a part of what uh, what I'd like to, to put in there. And then probably uh, – uh, along the way, uh, a coach that really inspired me a great deal was Coach Tressel. Uh, he was uh, originally from Baldwin-Wallace, where his dad coached, but uh, he was at Youngstown State, and uh, I had heard Coach Tressel talk and uh, would take the staff down to Youngstown State for a, a clinic that they held pretty much every spring, year after year when he was down there, just because I was very impressed with the way that he handled himself the way that his attitude was on the sideline, the way he treated his staff, and it was very, very important to me that uh, that I uh, follow that kind of thing because it just seemed to be the right thing to do. And now back to the interview. All right, so we are going to move on to the next section, and I am going to put two minutes on my phone here. And this is going to be a little two-minute drill. All right. And so I've got a series of questions here and you might, if you like this first one and you want to spend your whole two minutes on it, get loose. If you want to get through them a little bit more rapid fire, that's totally on you. But at two minutes, I will cut you off. So I just say next (laughs) if it's time for the next one. Um, Yeah. Give me a thumbs up or something. So ready? Um, Any significance to your jersey number? Uh, January 5th is my birthday. Awesome. What are you closest to today? Your 40 time, your 800 slash shuttle time, or your bench? Uh, My bench. (laughs) How close are we talking here? Uh, I just know I'm not that close to the 40 and the 800, so I'm going to the process of elimination. Um, Name an upperclassman that had a big impact on you. Alec Bialowski. Good, best friend of my brother. Uh, could you diagram a play from your senior year offensive playbook? Defensive playbook? Offensive. Offensive? I could still do the waggle. <laughs> I think I could diagram the waggle. <laughs> um, defensively, what was a blitz that Coach Moses would call that was your favorite? The bag blitz. <laughs> Adam <laughs> That's right. You didn't even. And it was popping yeah, a bag. You didn't even pick a blitz for yourself. You picked one for Canada. That's awesome. Yeah, I had to make uh, that comment. What makes good fudge? What makes good fudge? Uh, 
Really nice, sweet girl. Nothing with flavor, nothing with anything else. It's just the person who makes it that makes good. Uh, yeah, okay. I gotcha. Um, <laughs> biggest hit given, biggest hit received. Biggest hit given, sophomore year. It was my first time stepping foot varsity against the U.S. I had two flips. Uh, Mordecai Cargill, I flipped him. And the other guy was a receiver, McKelvey. I think his name was, yeah. I flipped him. It was just, I was in there having fun. We were down by a lot. Biggest hit taken, uh, probably Durazio, the guy who hides games. Just, we'll call it the whole game. All right. I was not the There name. we go. That's two minutes. Good job, Greg. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are gonna, we're going to transition now, and we're going to just finish up here with a couple of questions. Um, sure. And talking about... Um, post-college and now professionally, um, is there a phrase or a saying or even a lesson that you apply to your professional or personal life, whether that's daily, weekly, or just periodically, you kind of make that connection and where you learned it from? Uh, to get better, get worse. Uh, I've always had it near my alarm clock. Um, it's such a good matter of fact statement. You're, you got every day that is a given, uh, present to you. And you're, if you don't get better, you take a step back. There's no, there's no equal standing. And, you know, I'm as a, an accountant, one of the biggest hurdles in my life was studying and getting ready for the CPA exam. And some of those hawk and hawk isms that I learned, I would tell myself that I would think about that stuff. And I think it did help me each day through a lot of the, the effort that went along. And I carry that in my professional life too. If you're not getting better, then you're probably taking a step back. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a favorite, uh, favorite saying over the years that, uh, you know, staying the same is not getting better. So thus you're getting worse, you know, take every moment to get better, no matter what it is. Um, so CPA, tell me a little bit about that. Tell yes. us a little bit about yourself right now. No, I'm a, I'm a CPA. I'm in the business world working with uh, various companies uh, on their financial reporting at year end or helping them in consulting ways to help them build and grow their business. Uh, I, I was in a, a big four position where I was doing SEC type audits, but now I'm in uh more private mid-sized companies, helping them in various ways, working with presidents, sometimes uh, CFOs of their company to, to knock out challenging transactions and issues that come along the way. Uh, the firm I work at is Markham LLP, which bought Skoda Minotti about a year ago. Uh, national firm based in New York, uh, all across the country and starting to grow, starting to get busy, which is exciting. Is there any advice that you would give to someone, let's say they're in college or in high school right now, and they just maybe think that uh, a career as a CPA is something that they might be interested in? Sure. You know, I think it's the language of business. Uh, if you're into business, whether it's there's different routes you could take, but what I love about my job is the, the, the accounting and the financial transactions of a business is it's not going to be the same for every business, but that language is very similar. Um, it's very interesting. There's not a one size fits all, which keeps 
each day for me very entertaining. Uh, each conversation with clients can be very different. So you got to be on your feet, uh, but it's not boring. So that's what makes every day kind of fun. Appreciate that. Thank you for that advice. Hopefully uh, at some point there's someone who is listening to uh, this podcast episode and uh, they can uh, apply uh, apply that to their approach down the road here. Yes. Um, Greg, I just want to, I just want to, finish up and just say thank you so much for joining uh, in on this discussion. Love talking to you. love hearing your stories and hear um, about your experience. And I know the impact that uh, those experiences had on you then and what they mean to what they Mm -hmm. mean to you now. And I know that you and your classmates do revisit those stories often. And um, it's those shared experiences when you get to share them with other people that just absolutely multiplies the experience for all because you are constantly revisiting them. And it was something that you got to appreciate and enjoy with others and not just by yourself. No, I want to thank you. It's, it's been a blessing and a privilege to have the Hawk and football family part of my life. Thanks for spending time with us today. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and spread the word. And until the next episode, like my dad always says, good night, Irene.